0: I think honestly, what it comes down to is most of conversion rate, just like in retail or anywhere is built on trust, build trust in the brand. And that comes down to, in most cases, simple user experience tweaks, simple copywriting tweaks, and presenting customers that are new to your brand with information that says, hey, other people trust us, other people love this. And here's why. But if you can do that properly, and to be honest, it makes our job easier, most brands don't. So it's really easy to go in and say, here's are the things that, that have worked for everyone else and they're probably gonna work for you. It makes our job somewhat easier. And then from a UX standpoint, the other part that makes our job easy is most Shopify templates look beautiful, but they haven't been flex tested for conversion. They haven't been tested. They're just made to be nice looking e-com templates to draw customers in to buy into Shopify.
1: Hello and welcome to the Ops Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the EcomOps podcast. Today I have Sean with me from uh, Audit, and he is a serial entrepreneur and performance branding expert behind the numbers DTC brands, uh, founder of Audit. And yeah, so great to have you here, Sean. Yeah, it's great to be here, Norbert. Thanks for having me. Tell me a bit more about yourself. Tell me a bit about your brand. What are you doing? How did you come into e
0: commerce? In about 2010, I started my first real business, which was a product design agency, did branding, website design, that type of stuff, got into larger digital products and applications, but just got kind of tired of the agency world, got tired of the client back and forth and that kind of ongoing, never-ending sales pitch. <laughs> and so I got out of that in 2018. I sold my part of the company and just kind of did some freelance consulting Ended up doing a lot of consulting for D2C brands through a performance marketing agency and was just blown away at how much money brands were spending on Facebook ads and TikTok ads and just all their digital paid marketing in general and yeah. spending very little on their uh, UX on the website. So they were, from a UX designer standpoint, there's 10 steps in a product, in a purchase journey. Number one is the ad, and the other nine are on your website. And these brands were spending all their money on the ad and none on their website. And for me, that was just so backwards. So we started running audits as a as an answer to that. Essentially, the, the goal was giving brands access to really high-end experience design without the price tag. So how we did that was basically removed all client back and forth. All The only thing you're getting is the actual designer's time and some CRO professional time. So all we're doing is we're going in tearing down websites and saying, hey, here's kind of red marker it. Here's everything that, that needs updating. Here's how it's going to affect your conversion or your AOV or whatever. And really just help D2C brands and e-commerce brands reduce friction in their user experience so that they get a higher conversion rate. Cool. And how can you know how much this will influence
1: the consumers by visiting the website to to have a better conversion rate. So what is the measurements you take and the experiments you do to have this understanding?
0: So we actually have a very different approach than most CRO agencies. Usually when you hear the word CRO, it's like heavy testing, heavy data. Our yeah. approach is the exact opposite. We don't look at any data. We don't look in your backend. We don't look at your Google. We don't look at anything. You know, Our tagline is a fresh perspective and that's truly what we're trying to do. We come in just like a consumer would We land on the site. I actually, we have sometimes when we do our onboarding call with customers, they try and like pour us with info. And I'm like, no, 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 stop. I don't want any more info. I don't want you to lead me. I don't want you to guide me. I want to have our team go in just like a customer would land on the site and either have a clear journey or they're confused, right? I want to know. I don't want to hear why they might be confused because you're justifying it. So it's a very different approach than most brands are used to taking when it comes to conversion and optimization. We have a lot of arguments on podcasts The people being like, well, what do you mean you don't look at that? I, I would say that our customer results speak for themselves that we've done over 5,000 brands. I always say we offer money back guarantee and we've given five refunds. I think honestly, what it comes down to is most of conversion rate, just like in retail or anywhere is built on trust. And you can pick apart the numbers, but really the main thing that you need to do when you're trying to build Better conversion rate is build trust in the product, build trust in the brand. And that comes down to, in most cases, simple user experience tweaks, simple copywriting tweaks, and presenting customers that are new to your brand with information that says, hey, other people trust us, other people love this, and here's why. But if you can do that properly, and to be honest, it makes our job easier, most brands don't. So it's really easy to go in and say, here's are the things that, that have worked for everyone else, and they're probably going to work for you. It makes our job somewhat easier. And then from a UX standpoint, the other part that makes our job easy is most Shopify templates look beautiful, but they haven't been flex tested for conversion. They haven't been tested. They're just made to be nice looking e-com templates to draw customers in to buy into Shopify. We've done advisory stuff for Shopify. They They invest $0 in their templates. And so that also makes our job easier. They look pretty, but there's always room to grow. There's always lift to be had with them. If from that standpoint, it's like I mentioned; it's not a agreed upon method, but it works. To be very honest with you, I love this approach so
1: much. It's really very interesting <laughs> because I've never heard it before. I always hear, "Give me the numbers," then we do some tests. We need at least. 1,000 or depending on the size, 2,000, 3,000 prospects that we test. And then we find out what we should do. We do some hypothesis and then we change this and then we test it. This is a very interesting approach to get things implemented way faster with a lot of experience of history projects.
0: Yeah. And I think the one thing I want to be clear about is I'm not saying don't do that type of testing. Don't look at your data. That's not what I'm saying at all. I think we're a stage in the journey. But to your point... Out of five thousand customers, I would say maybe a hundred of our customers actually had enough traffic to hit statistical significance. And I think the nature of ecom is fast moving. Right? It's extreme. It's scrappy. It's fast moving in for most brands. And if you're sitting there waiting for statistical significance on an AB test for three months because you just you have to hit a certain amount of traffic before you can call a winner, I just find that so silly. You know what I mean? Like it, you're making one two changes every quarter your business could be dead by the time you <laughs> find the winner. Like, you got to keep, you <laughs> yeah, gotta keep yeah. moving it. And so I yeah. think it's, it's definitely, a, our approach is definitely more scrappy is probably the word I would use. But I think it's, to your point, like it's very different and something a lot of brands haven't heard of. So in most sales calls, the company, you know, the brands caught off guard at start, but by the end they're like, "Oh, this is interesting." I like the approach, and I think that's what they like about it is it does allow them to be a little more scrappy and do things faster. What's the company size to start with? We very rarely say no as long as they can afford the report. We'll be very honest with brands that are too small. Where, and when I say too small, and like they're even just their product suite, their site, everything, there's just not enough there. We've worked from worked with every from a, a brand that sells in a farmer's market in their hometown to we worked with Procter and Gamble on some of their D2C brands so like kind of run end to end every size to be honest yeah that's interesting how many people do you have we have as of this week we have one new so 16 and we're in 11 countries so it's a very oh, diverse wow. group of awesome very diverse group of yeah. people and uh, yeah we've been
1: very lucky that's great in in your opinion what should every e-commerce business need to know
0: about building a website I think that what I was mentioning earlier is a really important one that a lot of brands miss. I think that they put their trust in large brands like, like Shopify or any other provider and assume that what they're buying is best for them. And I think you got to kind of find that middle ground. I Coming from the background of building websites, I totally understand that it can get very expensive. So I totally understand why it's enticing to just get something off the shelf, whether it's a free template or a hundred dollar template and use it. My advice would just be to be wary of just blindly trusting those things. Always question, play with it, question it, test it, try new things. Don't be afraid to mess with it. Cause in a lot of cases, those things, those things just aren't tested the way you think they are. And then I think the other thing I would say when building a website is just doing your best to let customers explain what makes you great, not your team, I think a lot of brands get stuck in that marketing writing vec, you know, vortex where it's the team is writing everything about what they love about the product or what their boss told them they should love about the product. They aren't even users of the product in most cases. The best people to mm-hmm. sell your product are your other customers that are talking about its flaws and it's what it's great at. And those are the things that you should be pulling your copywriting from. I think in a lot of cases, brands just focus so much on really marketing heavy copywriting which in my opinion for small businesses is stupid. I think the just do it type of copywriting works for brands like Nike. It doesn't work for small D2C brands where they have no brand equity and they have no eyeballs and no reference point of what makes them great. So I think when you're launching a new brand or a new website, you really need to be articulate in how you explain what you're doing.
1: Is a pretty looking website from a designer's perspective, the one that
0: will bring a high conversion rate or does it need a bit more? It's actually usually the opposite, to be honest. I think that coming from my last agency, we were selling some engagements were million dollar websites over the course of 12 months, and they look beautiful. But I can tell you firsthand that we never tested them. We never, they were never looked at for, okay, what's the conversion? Should we change this because of this? It was just, you go through, and that's why I got out of the agency world. You, we just went through every cycle of pitch the customer this. Customer says, I like this, I hate this, and you change it. And it's like, what does the customer know? What effect that's going to have on UX or conversion? Or they don't I have no clue. They're just using their personal opinion. And so you end up with a lot of elements that just don't work. And so in a lot of cases, it's finding a balance. You know, there's there's definitely certain positive conversion design trends that you can implement that look good, but there's some that don't. And you kind of got to find a balance to make sure that your brand doesn't look like it, or your website doesn't look like a circus. You know what I mean? I think that's one of the downsides of working with a more traditional CRO agency. In some cases, they look at your data and they say, it either wins or it doesn't. And they don't give a shit what it looks like. This big neon sign on the homepage header got more clicks. So that's the winner. And I'm like, no, this makes your brand, your aesthetic, you just, you're losing everyone. You know what I mean? Like as soon as I come, sure it got more clicks, but maybe they were accidental maybe because it's such a loud beacon of light. But I think you got to find that balance where short-term quick clicks aren't always the answer, right? If you're trying to build a long-term brand and not a Amazon reseller that you're going to close 12 months later, you've got to build trust with your customer. You're trying to build long-term brand equity. And that means having a consistent aesthetic, building trust through your interface and your experience. And that usually means not doing stuff like that or abstract design ideas that are just there as conversion tactics. You know what I mean? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I think you also don't want to have, it depends on the business. If it's a service provider, you might want to have the real, the best customers, the best leads. And not just every lead or every customer. And it needs to fit to the expectation of a visitor and, of course, to the conversion rate. But as you said, having a big neon sign on the website will maybe lead to more clicks, but will affect the quality of your leads, actually. Yeah. In your experience, what are the top three most common mistakes e commerce businesses? make when they build their stores or what they are they using in the stores that are big mistakes in your opinion?
0: I think that one of the primary ones is the e world and the Shopify ecosystem and primarily has so many apps. The access to them is so easy. Shopify's made it amazing right? in a good way to access, different applications, reviews, subscription platforms, everything you could possibly need for your stores there. But what ends up happening is stores, they upload or they sorry, download and install 10, 20, 30, hundreds of these things sometimes. And they're all very heavy from a code standpoint. And even when you remove them, there's always stuff left, JavaScript left or things left that are bogging the site down, weighing the site down. And one of the primary things that drives conversion is site speed. It's not a sexy thing. And that caught co- a lot of customers just don't care about it because it's not sexy. You can't see it. And most of them are sitting in their office at WeWork and they're lightning fast internet. And they're like, Oh, my site's fine. What are you talking about? But it, uh, it has a drastic effect on conversion and it's usually done from installing too many apps. That's usually the main issue. There's tons of others like image size, but for the most part, if you're buying a template off the shelf, it arrives into your inbox pretty fast. And then you go and screw it up is what happens. They don't send it to you all bloated, you you bloated it. And so I think that's probably problem number one is doing those types of things and installing apps and trying different things is totally fine, but you need to do the work after you're done with them to make sure that it's constantly being cleaned up and fixed because slowing your site down has a bigger effect than anything I'm going to do or your CRO agency is going to do. Your site speed has a way larger effect and direct effect. So I'd say that's problem number one. I think the second thing that a lot of brands in DTC do is they almost make their imagery, their copy, everything as perfect as possible. Again, going back to like, they look at big brands as imagery needs to be perfect, perfectly art directed photos and all the product images are Renderings and it can look very beautiful, but it starts to feel a little lifeless. And a lot of brands you see these days launching these big, beautiful branded experiences. Most of the images aren't even images. They're just generations of like actual renders that they've made. And there's no physical products on the entire site. And when it comes to building trust with a customer who's never had your product, like I said before, you, they need to see other people using it. They need to not, and not your. Not the founder drinking it, not some professional athlete drinking it. Like real people that came on this site, bought the product and are drinking it, enjoying it. That's what's building trust. Someone shared with me a great article from Taylor Holiday from Common Thread the other day. He was talking about how UGC is dead and and what people need to focus on is CGC, customer generated content. Because, and I agree with them, UGC has just gotten silly. It's like you're just paying random people to drink or eat or wear your product that have no interest in it. And it's just such a stupid. It's just such a stupid way to get content because it, when you watch it, customers watch it. It feels fake. You can tell they're selling it. And to me, that's it's just so worthless. It's no different than the customer making a random ad with their team. It's more easy.
1: It's more yes. easy to buy UGC than to get a customer creating customer
0: generated. And it, I think. And there's applications coming up. One actually we're partnering with that's doing a good job of trying to make it easier for customers to get actual CGC or what maybe it's UGC, whatever you want to call it. But I think that's one of the things that brands fall into. They- they follow the trends and they follow the big brands and who, these successful brands looking at their websites and being like, wow, this is the perfect experience. There's no flaws. And again, that works really great for big brands. They almost have to be flawless. It's kind of like that model on the runway type thing. But 99% of Shopify brands, they're scrappy. That's why audit works with them and or audit works for them. And being scrappy means being honest. And that's how all those brands that you're looking up to, that's how they got there was being scrappy and being honest and showing their customers what the product is in reality, not on a runway or in a studio. Obviously, you have to find that balance. You can't just have a website full of UGC, but I think that's one of the big misses that a lot of brands have is they try and be too perfect and they miss that part of their aesthetic.
1: Yeah, I need to agree, especially for young brands. I don't think that they need to be 100% perfect like those big brands. It's absolutely okay to take a, a photo with a smartphone and upload it and maybe a bit of editing make making a good size or good quality yeah. but it can be still very personal i think a smartphone photo makes it personal makes it a bit more touchable yeah. yeah for a visitor yeah and i like that approach especially for smaller brands because every other agency would recommend you to hire a photographer and hire a professional team and just do this and that and render everything and make it most beautiful but this just takes a lot of money and you don't have time for test it out if your brand even works yeah and it will also work with the other content if you
0: do it personal and right no and that's a good point i think there is a stage in brand's journey where they should invest in those types of things But at the beginning, I don't think it's the time.
1: What are good performance indicators when it comes to e-commerce websites? When you open them, when you see them, what are good indicators? I
0: like to see a really clean line of like entry and exit. So what I mean by that is if you're driving the right ad traffic to the right page and your experience is set up right, it's like they click... They go through the exact experience you wanted them to. They go to here and then they're in cart. They checked out and they're done. Some brands want you to jump around, right? They want you to come on site and flip between products and end up adding them. I personally am like, let's drive direct traffic to what we're selling and get them out as fast as possible. But I think in terms of metrics, it's different for everyone. Certain products require more explanation. So one answer I would have is I want them to read more content, right? I want them to see more about the product before they buy it because there's a higher purchase intent, or there's a higher chance they're going to buy it if they understand it better. But that only makes sense for products that require more understanding, right? If I'm buying a white t-shirt, do I really want them on site long? I probably just want them to make sure they know which size they need and hit add to cart. I don't (laughs) want them to understand every detail of my white t-shirt. So it it really is different brand to brand. But I I think the main thing that you want is is just users taking the path that you thought they were going to take, right? You want to be mindful of that. If you set up your homepage or your product page or whatever in a way that was intentional, right? Like I want them to come here, then scroll here, read this and click here, watch that, right? Like go on your screen recording tools or and just make sure that's actually what's happening. And if it's not, change it. What is more important, written content, imagery or videos? Oof, that's a tough one. I Most products benefit from a video, in my opinion. The struggle is that they are, if they're not built properly into the site and the Mm video is not made properly, it can be very heavy, which affects site speed. So it's kind of this balancing act. When it comes to video i mean you need
1: a lot of copy for the search engines of course to be indexed yeah but
0: actually nobody wants to read i think that amazon at least in north america is where most people get their e-com not any type of ecom e-com experience and they've done a fantastic job of educating stores on amazon or sellers on amazon on what works right and one of the things that they've rammed down your throat is Some customers are going to read that entire long-winded explanation in text, and some of them, a lot of them, are going to just look at your gallery for all the content they need, right? They're not going to read all that. They're going to flip through your gallery of images. So images become immensely important because, yeah, you're not on Amazon, but that's where most of the world is getting their first experience with Nikon. So it's going to become more and more natural for customers to never leave that top part of your product page and just scroll images And I think, like I was mentioning before, a lot of brands, they just have their four or five studio images in there, their perfect renderings, and you're forcing users to scroll down, which can work, but most customers want to stay up there based on what Amazon's data says. So we always recommend adding images of a review, a UGC video, an overhead shot of the product with copy on it saying, here's what you're looking at. Here's what's included. Here's what the key traits of this product are. Not because they are sexy images that you want in your gallery, but because your customer may not scroll down and they need to get that information. That's a good tip. I don't see it
1: too often that people have images in their uh, product details pages where they also state out the benefits of the product directly on the images. They will have the image, and next to it the short copy, and beyond it the uh, the long copy with the for a few more additional images. But going through the gallery, is really something that the people do and that I've seen and that I am doing myself as well sometimes. When I have a quick order on Amazon or any other website, I'm just browsing through the gallery. If it's there what I need, I, I purchase it because I can return it anyway. Yep. That, that's how people are doing it. I think we covered nearly everything. Maybe automation is one of the last questions. Based on your experience, what role does automation play in increasing conversion rate and user
0: experience? We're playing with it even in our in audit and how we utilize it better. But I think automation, when I think of automation, I think of how AI starts to play into automation and these types of things for brands. But yeah. personalization, I think, is really interesting, whether it's personalized email flows. I think a lot of your customers come to site, they get excited, but they don't purchase that first time, right? So, trying to get their email or trying to get their information, and then having personalized flows go out to them through Klaviyo or whatever email platform. I think could be really unique from an automation standpoint. That's a tough one. I think even in the performance marketing that we work with different agencies, a lot of them are using automation like AI to generate their ad copy, and it's working better than their copywriters. That's not to say fire your copywriters, but I think it's a good it's a good test to run to say. Okay, let's do what we thought was right. And then let's see, let's run a fourth or fifth version that's written using ChatGPT or whatever you're using. Start playing with stuff like that, whether it's your headline on your website or it, you can push back against it all you want, but the numbers won't lie, right? It either works or it doesn't. It's kind of lowest level. It gets your team thinking, right? And I think that's where most brands can get stuck when, like when I talked about at the start, where the copy feels like it's written by the team, not by the customer. And that's can be a, that's very common, and we could go to ten sites right now, and it would all—they would all feel like that. But I think having tools like AI, of AI or ChatGPT or whatever helping you spur new ideas can be really helpful. To like you said, whether it's a bird's eye, or just giving you a different perspective on how that could have been written to spur more ideas. It's not necessarily using that; it's just a great tool to use to generate more ideas. Last
1: question for today: <laughs> Who has taught you the most about conversion rate? in your
0: career? I'm going to be totally honest with you. When we started on it two years ago, I did not know what the acronym CRO meant. You do such great CRO. And I'm like, we don't do CRO. Like Whatever you think CRO is, that is not what we do. The end result of what we do is your site's optimized and usually your conversion rate goes up, but that's not how we sell it. And so as of two years ago, I had no conversion knowledge. Over the the last two years, we've worked with a ton of different people. Dylan Anders from Split Testing has been a great resource for us. Mateus Schroeder, who has his own brand and over in Europe and has a lot of great, he, he did actually did a CRO guideline with us. And then a really smart guy also in Europe and doing great consulting work in that space is Chris Marsh. All very generous in terms of sharing their experience and sharing their knowledge. So highly recommend following all of them if you're looking for more CRO knowledge. Awesome,
1: Sean, thank you so much. It was really an amazing interview. I love it. I really love that and uh, that their approach is great. Not look at the numbers, look at the sites. Don't be guided by the customer, but make your own experience. This is, I think, very helpful. I often heard in the podcasts when we interviewed people, go and ask your family, ask your friends to visit your website and give you feedback, honest feedback on what they see. Mm-hmm. Don't guide them. Yeah. yeah. Let really get the feedback at the first time when you need to guide someone, you know, already that there's something yeah. wrong. Exactly. Uh, if, if, you, if they don't get it out, what do you mean? Important feedback to not use too many apps. They slow down your website. They can even break your website. They can break your store. I know that they are in the environment of Shopify or WordPress and so on. There are so many plugins, but if you, play too much plugin game, it's like playing Jenga. I I, I use this so often. Yeah, Every plugin, if you know Jenga, this wooden block thing, you pull out one of the wooden blocks and put it on top and it's like yeah, playing Jenga with your web store and it's your business and you don't want to break it down. Performance is the key and of course, uh, what I really liked is the Customer-generated content. Yeah, That's so important. Everyone, we know already the user-generated content. We know it and we see it here and there. But it's not the same as if a customer would make a content. It's not so professional. You see it right away if it's a real customer or if it's huge. Thank you so much, Sean. Awesome. Have a great one. You too. Thanks for having uh, me. And don't forget to subscribe to the EcomOps Podcast. See you. (laughs) And that's it for this episode of the EcomOps Podcast. If you enjoyed listening and would like us to find and interview more e-commerce operations experts, please search for EcomOps Podcast in your favorite podcast listening app, and then subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time.